0: Welcome everyone to the Gridiron Review Podcast. I'm Zach, that's Jack, and we are glad to have you all here and are excited to be a part of your NFL all-season coverage. In this episode, we will be reviewing the highlights of our Mock Draft 2.0, which was just released on the website yesterday. This was done post-combine, but released on the first day of free agency, so there are a few picks that will probably need to be updated already when we release our 3.0, seeing as we have influences from day one, but obviously everyone knows all the signings that have been made since, and some people have filled needs through free agency versus the draft. This will mainly be focusing on our surprise picks. And a big part of this is trades. As this is our first mock with trades. And the picks that just make sense will not, since they just make sense. As a lot of senses. But we're going to kick it off with the first pick in the draft. Uh, take it away, Jack.
1: So with the first pick, we had the Jaguars taking Aiden Hutchinson. And for anyone who's kind of looked at our content you would know that Hutchinson isn't our number one prospect. Um, We don't think that he is as good as he is hyped up to be. So it's kind of an interesting situation for us to put him here. I think that Hamilton could have been put here. However, a safety never goes one overall. So just on the basis that Hutchinson seems to be this consensus number one pick, we put him here because if you look at the Jags moves on the first day of free agency, they signed... Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. And I get that those aren't the biggest names and they way overpaid for them, but they're showing that they're willing to bulk up the offense now so that they can focus on the defensive side on the draft. And it just seems like they're setting themselves up to not have controversy of if they take Hutchinson and leaving the line an issue for Lawrence or anything like that. That way it's very clear we can take Hutchinson, who most people think is this number one overall pick and we go on with our day Zach you want to add anything
0: yeah so I see the potential in Hutchinson he's got the frame I think he looks pretty stiff I mean we broke it down in our profiles but what we talked about is in an ideal world the Jags would be trading out of here and we discussed it for a long time but we just couldn't think of a team that would make sense like, what, who are you trading up for? Hutchinson is a good prospect. He is not Miles Garrett. So he's not like this generational pass rusher that every team is going to be wanting. And there's no quarterbacks top three worthy. And despite, you know, the crazy rumors that he might go to with Willis, I just, it's probably not going to happen. And as Jack noted, they addressed two linemen in the draft. Could they still go tackle here? For sure. But you'd think that they would have instead dra- or uh, signed a pass rusher because there was plenty of them in free agency but they did not so it feels like they're gearing up to go defense and it's probably hutchinson unless they just shock the world and take hamilton one which would be insane but it usually like jack said it just doesn't happen the pass rusher is always going to get the edge i believe that's all i have Uh, you know the jags have spent interestingly um, a lot of people would say stupidly so why wouldn't you take the pick that is not a bad pick just like the signings aren't horrible but it's also probably not the right pick and the right move
1: so building off what Zach is saying about the trade partner here is the only real one that we considered was the Lions moving up one pick to take Hutchinson because I mean there's video of Hutchinson like playing mind games with the Ohio State tackle and then jacking them into outer space and that just screams Dan Campbell so like In an ideal world, I feel like if Campbell can take Hutchinson, like, that is a match made in heaven. However, if the Jags don't move out and they do take Hutchinson like we're expecting, um, the Lions re-signed Tracy Walker over three years. Now, I thought that was a bit of an interesting signing, but I think it goes to show that they have confidence in Willis and Tracy Walker to, to man the safety role, so unless their plan is to play Hamilton at the nickel or one of these guys at the nickel, it's kind of a wasted pick to take Hamilton. And even if you are taking him to play somebody at nickel, that just kind of seems like a weird place to do it at the second overall pick. Looking at the Lions depth chart, their corner room consists of Okuda and uh, Owoarie. And Okuda, I mean, it's hard to say whether he's developed the way that they thought or not, just because he's not on the field that often due to injuries. But in a division where, as of right now, you have to see Justin Jefferson, Thielen, and Devontae Adams twice a year, you can't leave O.R. as your number one corner. So we think that they go with sauce here. And personally, I think when healthy, Stingley's the best corner, arguably the best prospect coming out this year. But uh, Sauce has shown that he can stay healthy. He's a physical man-to-man corner, which, I mean, in a very, very physical NFC North is a great thing to have. And, Zach, you got anything to add to that? Just that, like, the Lions have recommitted to
0: Okuda over and over, which, you know, could mean nothing. But at the worst, you're adding a big corner. And I know this is a high pick for any corner, but Gardner has the production. He tested really good for his size at the Combine. And if it works out, if Okuda gets healthy and you have Sauce and you have Oroar, however you say his name, you're going to have a great trio of corners that can go up against, uh, you know, they can all focus on Jefferson. So somebody can stop them. And you stop Adams, hopefully, even though, That'll be a fun situation to watch because the Packers screwed him by franchising him. This isn't about that. That'll be just fun. Um, But yeah, so their moves suggest Kyle Hamilton um, with Tracy Walker's resigning, like Jack said, it's a little weird. And uh, Will Harris seems okay, but the value should be Hamilton. But Gardner is not a bad pick either. Um, We're just going to skip ahead here. Kyle Hamilton makes sense to the Texans, Evan Neal to the Jets, Icky to the Giants. And then we come to the Panthers at six. The Panthers are square in the race for Watson, according to reports. But we are under the assumption in this mock that that's not where he goes to. And so the Panthers at six have to go quarterback. I mean, they don't have to, but you're really going to go with Sam Darnold. Really? You're going to re-sign Cam? That's that's a good, good decision to get you fired. Um, Rule probably wants to get a rookie to at least fight for his job next year and say that they're still developing. And while I'm sure they want to pull the trigger on Malik Willis's upside here, there's no way Willis can start this year. I mean, the tape, the combine showed all of his upside and all of his flaws. So if if it were me, and I was guessing as to what the Carolina could be thinking, Kenny Pickett makes the most sense to me. Yes, there are concerns about the hand size, but – I mean, you know, depends on how you feel about that. Are the Carolina Panthers one of the teams that do? It's unknown. Um, Rule is a young quarterback, so I'm guessing he's probably not in that. And he also scouted him at Temple. And I believe recruited him like he was going to Temple, although Jack can probably fill in the background there. But I think is the most pro-ready, can step in day one and fight with Darnold for the spot and probably win the spot. I don't believe you would give it to Darnold. And I think he steps in and has – Decent. I mean, the the weapons on Carolina are really good. Their receiving core, their their running backs, McCaffrey, Chuba Hubbard, and now Deontay Foreman. And I think you know, while Pickett may not be the best, he's probably the safest without with not counting the hand size thing. But he can go and operate the offense. You know, Um, and it would be for the record in a dome. Which, if you talk about hand size, then you're not in the elements. That's a that's a big plus. Um, but Jack, you want to continue on with this?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't look at the quarterbacks much outside of the combine. But to Zach's point, it it seems like Pickett of the group is the most ready to go. And for Rule, who is on probably the hottest seat in the NFL right now, you have no choice except to take the most pro ready. And quite honestly, Zach said this to me yesterday is, if you wanted to take Willis, you just fired the offensive coordinator that was that was made to do that in Joe Brady, and to Zach's point, he did recruit Pickett when he was still the Temple coach, so there is familiarity there. And obviously, Pickett has developed his skills at his time at Pitt, so Rule already probably knows what this kid is potential is and all that type of stuff. And the hand size thing is—it's such a weird stat for quarterbacks I mean it makes sense but it's just kind of like are you really gonna judge somebody off of their hand size and Joe Burrow had small hands for that time and Pickett has even smaller hands so I think that's where the big concern is but Carolina is a young team and the longer you wait the more potential you're just wasting so I mean even if you take a guy like Willis you could argue that rule could be like well he's not ready to go give me another couple of years but you're wasting the potential of that team. You need to go with the guy that's most pro-ready and, and ready to win. And the the Panther cornerbacks are mostly in free agency, except for Horn and Henderson. But, I mean, it's, this team is essentially ready to win now. And I, to Zach's point, I, I don't see a situation where Pickett loses to Darnold. I just – it's hard to imagine. But that's really all I got on the matter, and I'm going to send it back to Zach.
0: So we're gonna go with our first, I would say, our first surprise pick of the draft with the Giants sitting at seven. Now they could do this at five as well, depending on which you know Aquano, because the Panthers you gotta be worried about taking a lineman, you gotta be worried about taking a quarterback. So they're gonna have to decide which one they're more in love with. But for this situation, we almost we were here at seven and we were thinking about this, and the Giants can take Malik Willis here. You know they. They are not really – for a team that was talked about signing Trubisky to compete with Daniel Jones, the Giants aren't really talked about, at least from what we've seen, taking a quarterback early. And when I think of Malik Willis, I know there's a lot of comps to Lamar Jackson, but on our profile I have him comp to Josh Allen coming out of college. Now, when I say that, I mean in the sense that they both have all the arm talent in the world, but their mechanics are a mess. They throw from different platforms – but not in a good way. They throw different motions, not in a good way. But luckily for the bills Allen has developed and worked hard on his throwing motion to become you know one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And much like Allen, Willis showed at the combine in different spurts. when he puts it all together, he throws a 70yard pass without much effort at least on what it looks like. However, he also showed missing a slant route by a mile. When you think of Josh Allen, who was one of the guys that's credited with fixing him? And that's Brian Dable. So I could see, and Jack, when we talked about this, agreed, the, the Giants committed to Jones this year. They said they want to salvage him. They didn't say they wanted him to be the quarterback of the future. They could salvage him and look to trade him. And I think Willis's upside, Jones can't match it. So if you draft Willis and you let him sit and you let Dable do things that they worked on with Allen to fix the same issues, I think it's, it's a perfect match and one that you might see talked about more and more as we get closer to draft day. And for the record, we're not talking about post day one signings here, but the Giants just signed Tyrod Taylor, the man, the myth, the legend, that is known as being the starter before the rookie comes in and tears it up. I mean, if there was ever a free agent quarterback, besides, I guess, Mariota, but I think Tyrod's a better mentor. At least all the rookies behind him have worked out. So you're bringing in a guy to a two-year deal that is the perfect you know, guy to mentor Willis as a from a player-to-player standpoint. So we think today may have reinforced this even more. And, you know, the Giants aren't going to get crap for this. You know, nobody's going to cry that they're not going to give Daniel Jones the future, even if he has a better year this year. But yeah, so I think, again, the comp to Josh Allen is not one that is skill. They're different. They're not the same size. They're not the same skill set in a way. But it's just that he has a lot of the same flaws that Allen did. And Dable might feel like he can bring out Josh, you know, have the same growth that Josh Allen has had. That's all
1: I have, Jack. For a team that had rumored to go after a guy like Trubisky or just someone to either mentor or compete with Jones, to have another option that isn't Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm in the room, this makes sense. And we got, we kind of got stuck on pick seven when we were doing the mock last night just because the dark horse quarterback pick came up kind of as we were debating between two other players and. To Zach's point, is Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Davis Mills are the three guys that stepped in after Tyrod Taylor, and Mills is, huh? Baker too. Oh right, Baker. I mean, yeah, but he had a good he had
0: a good season after he took over for Tyrod. It's once Tyrod left that
1: he started going downhill. True. Um, so that's that's four names right there of guys that came in and stepped stepped in in Taylor's place, whether for the coaching staff thinking that they were ready or Tyrod getting punctured by a doctor. Regardless, Jones has been in the league four years, I think three or four years now. Bringing in a guy to mentor him now, it is way too late. To Zach's point, if you want to salvage Jones, that's that's fine. That's a different story. But I think it's beyond the mentoring stage at this point. Jones has probably learned enough of the league, as particularly playing in New York, to be able to just, figure it out himself at this point and Tyrod and Jones aren't the same style of player so the to Zach's point the Willis thing does make more sense now because Tyrod's contract is two years it's not just like here back up Jones for a year it's two years so they must have some sort of plan in place where they're at least considering taking Willis letting Jones start maybe getting his trade value up letting Willis sit and deve- let Dable and Tyrod mentor him into what we believe and everyone believes that Willis can be and don't get me wrong Jones isn't a bad quarterback I mean you look at what Glennon and Fromm did combined and you got to think that Jones at least has some potential with what he's been able to do with the same team that the other two idiots had to work with but to Zach's point he also they committed they didn't say that he's the future they they said that they did him wrong it wasn't well, we think he can be our starter for X amount of years to come. So we just believe that the tie rod signing today is kind of like that over overlying piece that actually doesn't make this pick look as crazy as it was last night. But Zach, you want to add anything else?
0: No, I think we can just keep it moving along. The Falcons we're going to just touch about very briefly and then we'll come back to it. We have them taking Chris Olave as it stands at this moment. Um, Ridley being suspended. The quick summary is: Olave. while not many's wide receiver one is our one wide receiver one, but even beyond that, Olave is can come in with his route running, with his underrated speed, and with his glue for hands, and he can take over the Ridley role. He can. That's the quick summary. We will come back to them um, if that's okay with you, Jack. Just keep moving along until we discuss yes. the big uh, the big trade looming over everyone and all of NFL. At pick nine, we have our first trade. First trade.
1: But before yeah. we get into that, you want to just jump to yes. So points.
0: we'll yes. Yeah, so we'll keep going. The Jets take Stingley. It's just a good pick. The Commanders take London. It's just a good pick. The Vikings take Karlofitis. It's just a good pick. The Browns run their draft uh, pick to the podium with Jordan Davis. Great pick. Baltimore takes Charles Cross. It's the right pick. And then we're going to skip over 15-16, and we're going to come to 17. Jack, you want to go ahead?
1: Yeah. So the Chargers were a team who, with first-year head coach Brandon Staley, was expected to be a playoff team. And we all know that they came one knee short of making the playoffs. And, I mean, the one thing that I watched all year on social media was Jerry Tellery getting bullied in the run game. And I think that he was a huge reason as to why the run defense was so bad. And I thought they were last in league, but I heard the other day that the Steelers were, and that was kind of surprising. But the point is the Chargers within the last week have done everything in their power to build the way that the Rams have and to fill the holes before the draft even comes. So the reality is that this is a super luxury pick. They can take whoever they want. And probably no one will question what they're doing because they've just made that many good moves. I mean, they brought in Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson to be run stuffers, which takes Tillery out of the three-down mix. They brought in Khalil Mack, who, along with his pass rush, is really good against the run. And they signed J.C. Jackson to shore up the secondary. I mean, this team, you want to talk about a team – that is looking to overthrow their division by a team who signed their quarterback to a 10 year deal in Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. And the chargers seem like that team that wants to do it. If you want to argue the Broncos, that's fine, but the chargers just seem like they are, they are sold that they can, they can take that division and they can take the AFC. So I found out today that they uh, released Brian Balaga. So to Zach's point, this is one of the picks that might change uh, in Mach 3.0. However, as of last night when we were doing this, blago is still there. We thought that they would take Devontae Wyatt, a guy who is ready to play now and still has a lot of upside, tested really, really well at the Combine, had a great senior season with Georgia, solid against the run, but can also rush the passer this is going to be the three down guy for the chargers that they thought tillery was going to be and he's going to improve the run defense on third down and nickel package whatever he's going to be able to bring it inside rush to take the pressure off mac it just it makes too much sense to not take it and i think that there's still a chance that they might try to trade up for jordan davis uh, you never know i mean that would be something else but we just think that you got to shore up the defense because the offense brings back Mike Williams. I mean, it's pretty much staying intact. So for Brandon Staley, you got to shore up your side of the ball and give that offense a chance to win that game. And I don't know, Zach, you want to jump in here?
0: No, that sounds good. Um, the next pick we're going to talk about is pick 24. Real quick with the Cowboys, we have them taking Devin Lloyd. This is a Cowboys pick. It's not a fit but when do the Cowboys ever pick for their needs? Right. You know, they, they just take the best player available and that might not even be Lloyd, but I could see Jerry Jones seeing a defense with Lloyd and Micah Parsons and just drooling. Um, Jack, you're the one that really scouted Lloyd. So you might have more input here.
1: Lloyd is a guy that I thought had a lot of upside, um, but also a lot of red flags that shows that he's not ready to play now. But to Zach's point, this is a Cowboys pick. I mean, Outside of Trevon Diggs, who I believe is highly overrated at corner, um, you also have everyone's second favorite piece of burnt toast, Anthony Brown. And you just lost Randy Gregory. So you could go anywhere there. People seem to believe that they're going to try to replace Amari Cooper here. I think that would be stupid. It sounds like they're shopping Lyle Collins and they just lost Connor Williams today. Maybe you go a line. Who knows? But Lloyd, Lloyd screams Cowboys because to me – He reminds me of Parsons, a lower-end Parsons. And I think if you can give Dan Quinn a guy like Devin Lloyd to – even if you want to play him at end which or an outside backer spot, which is where I think he'll fit in right away in the league – it still gives you a chance to disguise your looks and give the front a different look to bring pressure in different ways. And even if you want to keep starting Anthony Brown, at least it's going to take the pressure off him because if the pressure is getting there with different looks, he's got to be in coverage less. And the truth of the matter is any third-round corner this year is probably better than Anthony Brown. But, I mean, if Lloyd can unlock his potential in the way that Parsons did – I mean, Parsons and Lloyd would be a scary one, too. And he has the chance to learn from the guy that I comped him to, as well as one of the top pass rushers in the league in DeMarcus Lawrence. So, I mean, why not? Zach, you want to add anything else there? No, I think
0: that that would be, you know, continue trying to build this defense that they think they're building. But it's another high upside, low floor pick. Uh, Who knows? You know, Dan Quinn's a good coordinator, so maybe it will work out. Um, the very last pick we want to talk about before we get to the main thing that could impact the whole draft is we have the Giants trading into pick 30 with the Chiefs and taking David Ojabo. The Giants passed up on edge rusher when there was value in the top 10, and instead they get here and take Ojabo. Now, I want to say a lot of people have Ojabo as a top 10 talent and that might be true. I see a player that has advanced pass rushing moves for one that's only been playing for that short amount of time. However, he's got a ton of development, and I think that while he probably could be a top-ten pick, he is a very scheme-specific fit. He is a stand-up edge rusher. He's a speed rusher with very little power, and he's got to go to a place that has this role established. Someone like Tennessee, if they hadn't re-signed Harold Landry, would have been perfect for him. He would have fit in very, very well and maybe even started day one. Instead, we have him falling – Until a trade that made sense, we tried to do this trade a few times, but we just didn't see – we saw teams taking needs otherwise. And the Chiefs, who knows? I mean, they might be looking at mass picks. The Giants have an early second that they can send, so they're not falling too far. And Ojabo should fit in. They have a lot of rotational pass rushers there that he can learn from a few of the guys there. And he's in no rush to be a full-time starter right away.
1: The only thing I want to throw in here is that the Giants have not re-signed Lorenzo Carter yet, so – for a guy who had a fairly decent season after getting Aziz Ojalari to work the other side, um, you you kind of have a, an opening in that front seven. And uh, the Giants bring in Wink Martindale, who comes from Baltimore, who has had success taking edge rushers like Zadarius Smith and Bowser and Away and all these guys, and they seem to work in Martindale's system. And I'd argue that Ojabo has the, the highest upside out of all of them. So if you can come in at 30 and snatch him up from the Chiefs or whoever might try to come up and get him I think that's great if he if he gets thrown into a full-time role I mean fine he might not look great the first year but he'll produce and if you bring Carter back you you bring him in on situational but you you let him work with guys like Ojolari and if you bring back Carter but you let him work under Martindale who seems to have success developing these guys that are making names for themselves now and it just seems like a really really good fit for both the Giants and Martindale.
0: All right so we are going to discuss the player that's on everyone's mind good and bad and that is Deshaun Watson. In this mock we have the Eagles trading for him because logistically it makes the most sense. The Eagles have three firsts this year they can offer two firsts this year which is something only a very few teams can this and the eagles are the only ones that seem to be actively looking to trade for a quarterback they also have extra second round picks i believe and just they have a ton of picks so they can send probably the best trade offer to the texans to get it done however since we published this there have already been reports that watson's first priority is location that makes sense as to why teams like the saints are in the running and why the Falcons are in the running when normally you wouldn't you wouldn't wonder because while everybody seems to love the Saints, we feel like they are in so much trouble with their cap now and next year. They're just it's not the team for success in the long run. And then Jack showed me today that Watson has been in contact with Allen Robinson and Will Fuller about possibly all joining Atlanta together. So this could shake up everything. But as it stands right now, if we are under the assumption that the Eagles do end up trading and convincing Watson to get here because they are the only ones that sent, to my knowledge, a private investigator to figure out the situation. Going all the way back to pick nine, we have the Saints trading up with the Seahawks as they panic because they lose out on the Watson sweepstakes and they need a quarterback on a rookie deal. And we have them taking Sam Howell. Howell is our quarterback one. I think he's heavily underrated and I think he can do a little bit of everything. He's got a good arm. There's a good deep ball. He's got very good mobility, and I think he can run the offense that Sean Payton may have thought that um, Taysom Hill could run. I'm not quite sure what the plan ever was there. However, Howell is a very accurate passer. He needs to learn to work under center, but that's a small thing. He's a good character. And so we have the Seahawks and them swapping picks. We don't have a specific you know trade package in mind. But, Jack, do you want to comment on
1: the Saints? The Saints would have to give up so much to go get Watson. It's not like the Eagles, and I know we'll get back to that, but where you have three first-round picks this year and a plethora of picks from whatever, you would have to give up pieces that are making up your team. And like today, they lost Marcus Williams, but they replaced him with Marcus May, and I don't know who considers who on what level. But the point is they're trying to replace pieces that they lose little by little. They kept Bradley Roby. They're, they're converting salaries to signing bonuses. They're, they're doing everything they can to keep this team together because they know that this is a win-now team. I mean, they almost made the playoffs with Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. That's, that's the sign that this team is ready to go. And I'm sure they would have had at least one Super Bowl if they didn't get screwed over like seven times in like six years. The point is, Howell is going to come in on a rookie deal. You don't have to worry about paying him for four or five years. You don't have to give up the draft capital. Howell can come in and he's already a step up from Hill and Simeon and Hill can continue to do his gadget, his gadget role. And you keep the team together. You keep your capital. You can go get someone to play on the other side of Michael Thomas. You can go get a backup for Alvin Kamara. That isn't Mark Ingram. Not that he's bad. He's just old. And the defense stays together because the odds of them trading one of the defensive pieces if not more to go get Watson are super high when you don't have the draft capital. If if you want to give up capital and keep the team together, you're probably giving up the next 3 years of picks and that's if it's not more and this the cap situation just it's bad as they were 77 million in the hole this year before all the restructures. How are you going to take on Watson's contract? That's that's the big question here. But for a team that is borderline playoff team with Trevor Simeon. I, I think you just go get the rookie who is arguably the most ready to play behind Pickett, who has an element of both passing and rushing and just let the team do its thing again.
0: So the next two are assuming in our rock that the Texans trade with Philly, we think Philly gives them their first two, the back-to-back picks this year. And then, you know, a first next year and who knows what else, but, Houston is so devoid of talent. We have them taking two high upside, low ceiling, I mean, uh, low floor players in Traylon Burks and Kayvon Thibodeau. Burks obviously didn't test as well as people thought. However, I think his 40 was misleading because he just takes a little bit longer to get there and he'll eventually run by people once he gets there. You know, a corner might not be able to stick with him all three levels, especially when he's able to bully guys with his size. And I think... You, you give these players time to develop. They're not in any pressure to produce right away. And I am not a fan of Thibodeau. I think he's way down our draft boards now. and But, you know, he has the size, speed, upside, although there's he's way more raw than, than the analysts are painting it to be. You know, they're talking about you take a high upside player, but for how long does he have to develop before he loses confidence? And not to mention this whole combine thing is just a horrible decision, a horrible look for a guy that had effort concerns and I think you know Houston might see you know good and a bad way to Davion as we compared him and but they have the time they don't have the means to develop them besides I mean maybe Lovey Smith as Jack has noted before thinks he can develop Thibodeau but it's just if they're going to take two big swings will they work you know, I'm not a believer in Thibodeau. I'm a believer in Burks, but they could both work. They could both fail. They could split. Jack, you want to keep this going?
1: I mean, for a team that has so many needs um, and for a team that has a coach who may only last a year for all we know, I mean, just – I mean, we went over this in one of our former podcasts, but Lovey Schmidt, that was, that was interesting to say the least. And, I mean, you just – how are you prioritizing your needs? Because at this point, everything except like quarterback and left tackle are are a need. And if you can trade Watson to the Eagles, as we think that makes the most sense, you need to just take best player available. And honestly, I, me and Zach aren't very high on Thibodeau and everything that happened at the combine. And I mean, just even before that, he just he didn't seem like he had a whole lot of moves or just whatever. And maybe Houston stops the slide because some, first off, someone has to, but if you guys, if you take high upside guys and Lovie Smith doesn't work out, at least they're there for the next coaching staff. If Lovie Smith goes out and takes whoever, because he, that's his guy and he gets fired, then you're wasting picks. Like you might as well go with the high upside here, but that's really all I have to add there. And we will finish off this episode with
0: your favorite Seattle Seahawk drafters. This is the last pick we want to discuss again. we have them flipping first with the Saints So we 're at pick eighteen and we try to think what is the most Seattle thing they could do as anyone who 's paid attention to drafts, the Seahawks when they have first usually reach on a guy that is probably not a day one player because they believe in their guys, and it doesn 't usually work out so we have them, what could be the most Seattle thing is passing on the quarterback at nine that we really like and how, and still taking a quarterback at 18 in Desmond Ritter. Now, Ritter tested really well at the combine. He was, I think, number one in most of the agility and athletic uh, test. He threw okay. I didn't think it was anything special, but apparently his interviews were incredible. And there is something to be said about a guy that I think was unranked coming out of high school and then went to... I could be wrong about that, but he went to Cincinnati, started, improved every year he started, and there's you know something that maybe he continues to improve and he becomes a decent starter. But as it stands right now, I was not overly impressed. I don't think his athleticism shows up on tape that much. I think his arm is good, but he needs a lot of rhythm to get going. and I just think like this could be a Seattle pick because in reality, or at least in my reality, Ritter is a day two guy who, if he keeps working, if the right team takes him, he could develop into a fine starter. Think like Kirk Cousins, maybe a little bit more athletic. But they both need strong rhythms to get going, and Seattle's going to reach on him. And whether he works out, because they really don't have another guy there, I can't say. Um, but, Jack, you want to finish this off?
1: So, when we got to this pick, uh, the first thing I asked Zach was, who's the third-round receiver you got scouted <laughs> already? And – uh He he kind of blew me off there because we we did think they were going to go quarterback. And as we've mentioned before, we're Drew Locke fans. So uh, hopefully he can figure it out in Seattle. But the truth of the matter is you just look at what Seattle's done. They've traded Wilson. They released Wagner. There's trade rumors around Adams. The the truth of the matter is this is a team that is getting blown up right now. And whether they want to admit it or not, they're ready – for the next era of Seahawk football. And I think that means that Carroll has one year left, regardless of how the team does. And quite frankly, I can't imagine this team as it stands right now to be more than like a four win team. I mean, we can circle back to that in X amount of months or whatever. But the truth is they're blowing it up. And if Pete Carroll is is gonna draft, I think he's gonna do he's just gonna reach one more time before he loses his job. And I, I really don't know that Carol is the issue here based on different things and interviews and whatever that we've heard. It almost seems like the Russell Wilson trade was done behind his back because at the combine, it was, we're not trading Russ. He's our leader. He's our this, he's our that. And it just seems like he could be left out of any decision that's being made this year. I think Schneider's the problem, but either way, you don't want a seventy-year-old leading a rebuild. So, as much as I love him, maybe he goes to a team who fires a coach like Carolina next year. If they're still in ready to win now mode, maybe Carroll takes that over, go goes and gets a Super Bowl and or playoff run, and and calls it a calls it a day. But Ritter is a guy that Zach said that we think is late first or most likely day two, and it just makes sense. You panic, you miss out on the top three quarterbacks, you miss out on the sweepstakes of all these guys that are in the trade block, and you end up with Drew Locke, who, again, we were fans of, so hopefully something comes of that. But, I mean, the truth is, if you go get Ritter and Locke wins the competition, it just gives Ritter more time to go and develop himself for this rebuild that's coming because the truth of the matter is, Seattle, as of right now, still has no line. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf might not be there at the beginning of the season. So do you really want to be in that situation anyways? Because Ritter could end up in a situation like Wentz where he's being blamed when the truth of the matter is he doesn't have any weapons. And that's all I got. I don't know if Zach wants to chime in here before we go.
0: Nope, I just wanted to say, everyone, we are putting out our prospect profiles daily. We are putting out, obviously, the mock draft. We are reacting to the free agency craziness and the trade. So just, you know, check out the website and see the articles as we post them.